Letters 52 through 54 of The Sylph. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The Sylph by Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. Letter 52 To Lady Stanley, Melford Abbey. This last week has been so much taken up that I could not find one day to tell my beloved Julia that she has not been one day out of my thoughts, though you have heard from me but once, since I obeyed the summons of our friend Jenny Melford, to be witness of her renunciation of that name. We are a large party here, and very brilliant. I think I never was accounted vain, but I assure you I am almost induced to be so, from the attention of a very agreeable man who is an intimate acquaintance of Mr. Wynne's, a man of fortune, and, what will have more weight with me, a man of strict principles. He has already made himself some little interest in my heart, by some very benevolent actions, which we have by accident discovered. I don't know what will come of it, but if he should be importunate, I doubt I should not have power to refuse him. My father is prodigiously taken with him, yet men are such deceitful mortals. Well, Time will show. In the meantime, adieu. Yours most sincerely, Louisa Grenville. Letter 53 To Lady Stanley I cannot resist writing to you, in consequence of a piece of intelligence I received this morning from Mr. Spencer, the hero of my last letter. At breakfast, Mr. Spencer said to Mr. Wynne, You will have an addition to your party tomorrow. I have just had a letter from my friend Harry Woodley informing me that he will pay his devoir to you and to your fair bride before his journey to London. The name instantly struck me. Harry Woodley, I repeated. Why, do you know Harry Woodley? asked Mr. Spencer. I once knew a gentleman of that name, I answered, whose father owned that estate my father now possesses. I remember him a boy when he was under the tuition of Mr. Jones, a worthy clergyman in our neighborhood. The very same, replied Mr. Spencer. Harry is my most particular friend. I have long known him, and as long loved him with the tenderest affection. An affection, whispered he, which reigned unrivaled till I saw you. He was the first, but now is second in my heart. I blushed, but felt no anger at his boldness. I shall not finish my letter till I have seen my old acquaintance. I wish for tomorrow. I expressed my impatience to Mr. Spencer. I should be uneasy at your earnestness, said he, did I not know that curiosity is incident to your sex. But I will let you into a secret. Harry's heart is engaged, and has long been so. Therefore, throw not away your fire upon him, but preserve it, to cherish one who lives but in your smiles. He is arrived, Mr. Woodley, I mean. We are all charmed with him. I knew him instantly. Though the beautiful boy is now flushed with manliness, it is five years since we saw him last. He did not meet us without the utmost emotion, which we attributed to the recollection that we now own those lands which ought in right to have been his. He has, however, by Mr. Spencer's account, been very successful in life, and is master of a plentiful fortune. He seems to merit the favor of all the world. Adieu. Yours most truly, Louisa Grenville. Letter 54 to Lady Stanley, Melford Abbey, 
Mr. Spencer tells me, it is a proof I have great ascendancy over him, since he has made me the confidant of his friend Woodley's attachment. And who do you think is the object of it? To whom has the constant youth paid his vows in secret, and worn away a series of years in hopeless, pining love? Ah, my Julia, who can inspire so tender, so lasting a flame as yourself? Yes, you are the saint before whose shrine the faithful Woodley has bent his knee, and sworn eternal truth. You must remember the many instances of esteem we have repeatedly received from him. To me it was friendship, to my sister it was love, and love of the purest, noblest kind. He left Woodley Vale, you recollect, about five years ago. He left all he held dear, all the soft hope which cherished life in the flattering idea of raising himself by some fortunate stroke to such an eminence that he might boldly declare how much, how fondly, he adored his Julia. In the first instance he was not mistaken. He has acquired a noble fortune. Plumed with hope and eager expectation, he flew to Woodley Vale, and the first sound that met his ear was that the object of his tenderest wishes was a few weeks before his arrival married. My Julia, will not your tender sympathizing heart feel in some degree the cruel anxiety that must take place in the bosom which had been, during a long journey, indulging itself in the fond hope of being happy, and just at that point of time, and at that place where the happiness was to commence, to be dashed at once from the scene of bliss with the account of his beloved's being married to another? What then remained for the ill-fated youth, but to fly from those scenes where he had sustained so keen a disappointment, and without calling one glance on the plains the extravagance of his father had wrested from him, seek in the bosom of his friends an asylum. He determined not to return till he was able to support the sight of such interesting objects with composure. He proposed leaving England. He travelled, but never one moment in idea wandered from the spot which contained all his soul held dear. Some months since, he became acquainted with the event which has once more left you free. His delicacy would not allow him to appear before you till the year was near expired. And now, if such unexampled constancy may plead for him, what competitor need Harry Woodley fear? I told you my father was much pleased with Mr. Spencer, but he is more than pleased with his old acquaintance. You cannot imagine how much he interests himself in the hope that his invariable attachment to you may meet its due reward, by making, as he says, a proper impression on your heart. He will return with us to Woodley Vale. My father's partiality is so great that, I believe, should you be inclined to favor the faithful Harry, he will be induced to make you the eldest, and settle Woodley on you, that it may be transmitted to Harry's heirs, a step which, I give you my honor, I shall have no objection to. Besides, it will be proving the sincerity of Mr. Spencer's attachment to me, a proof I should not be averse to making, for you know, a burnt child dreads the fire. These young men take up all our attention, but I will not write a word more till I have inquired after my dear old one. How does the worthy soul do? I doubt you have not sung to him lately, as the gout has returned with so much violence. You know, he said, your voice banished all pain. Pray continue singing, or anything which indicates returning cheerfulness. A blessing I so much wish you. I have had a letter from Lady Brudenell. She calls on me for my promised visit. 
but I begin to suspect I shall have engagements enough on my hands by and by. I doubt my father is tired of us both, as he is planning a scheme to get rid of us at once. But does not this seeming eagerness proceed from that motive which guides all his actions towards us, his extreme tenderness, the apprehension of leaving us unconnected, and the infirmities of life hastening with large strides on himself? Oh, my Julia, he is the best of fathers. Adieu. I am dressed en cavalier, and just going to mount my horse, accompanied by my two bows. I wish you were here, as I own I should have no objection to a tete-a-tete -tete with Spencer, nor would Harry with you. But here he is in the way. Yours, L. Grenville. End of letters 52 through 54